and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. Well, it's been a huge week for horse sport and we'll be looking back at the Eventing World Championships, Blenheim and the National Dressage Championships on this episode. We'll start by reviewing the Eventing World Championships in Italy where Britain brought home the individual gold medal courtesy of Yasmin Ingham's incredible championship debut at just 25 years old. New world champion, 25, first senior championship, and she wins it. We can do nothing but completely take our hats off to her. Our reporters at Blenheim will then take you through that competition, where Piggy March and the Stallion Halo came out on top in the Young Horse class. Yeah, it was mega. And I'm just delighted, relieved. I knew he could do it, but it's still a totally new ball game for us and our partnership. Finally, we check in on the big winners at the National Dressage Championships. The biggest story of the weekend was that Gareth Hughes was crowned British national champion for the first time in his career. Yeah, this has been the one that has got away from him. You're at the Nationals, this title's on the line, why not ask the question here? And he definitely did. So we've got a lot to get through. So pop that medal ribbon round your neck and let's get going. Well, I'm joined now by my colleague Catherine Austin to talk about the World Eventing Championships last week in Protoni del Vivaro. Catherine was out there with me. Ah, oh, Catherine, didn't we have a great week? It was the most fantastic week. What a championship. What a venue. Um, it was so exciting. I can't, I, I'm, we've seen a lot of exciting top class eventing, but Sunday afternoon show jumping will stay with me for a long time. Yeah, definitely. I actually haven't had time to do it yet, but I would like to go back through championship records and see whether there has ever been such a close finish to have the teams play second to fourth within 0.6 of a penalty of each other. It's just unbelievable when this sport is so close like that, isn't it? I know, and it shows you the extraordinarily high standard at the elite ends of eventing. But it was a fantastic week. So much happened. So many people performed brilliantly. I'd sort of forgotten how wonderful it is to be at a championship and how many people you see you already know how many people you speak to you know in doing our jobs that you learn things from and then the old guard are there as well it had everything for me it was a, the, the most perfect eventing week it did, absolutely. And uh, this is not meant to be the Pippa and Catherine Diaries, but I have to say we also, you know, ate lots of pasta and pizza. We stood in the sun. Uh, we got extremely dusty. That was a strong feature. Very dirty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, we're all going to be washing our clothes and particularly our shoes and our toenails for several months to come. But it was absolutely worth it. I think, Catherine, we have to kick off by talking about Yasmin Ingham, don't we? Our new world champion. New world champion, 25, first senior champion and she wins it and she deserved to this is the thing there were no um I don't think there were really any hard luck stories at this championship I think it worked out ultimately as it should do and she was fantastic yeah my brother actually messaged me last night and he was not horsey and said a girl I've never a Brit I've never heard of won the world championships what's going on was it unexpected <laughs> and I said well it's always unexpected to make your senior championship debut and win but when you look at Yaz's performance there was nothing out of turn in her performance compared to her form coming in but it is unusual to nail that under so much pressure 
Christ, and that is perhaps the thing to take away from this. Brilliant horse, brilliant rider, but the temperament as well. She was very cool, very collected. And yes, she was the individual rider. And that does have... It's a different vibe, isn't it? Because nothing that she did was going to affect team chances, which is a bit of freedom mentally. But the eyes of the world are on you. This horse is very special, but she has done perfectly with it all the way. You know, it won the eight and nine-year-old um, young horse, four-star short. It then followed up with a win in the four-star long at Blenheim last year. He was second at Kentucky in the spring and they came here and won. She's completely nailed it. It'll be so interesting to see the rest of her career. But we can do nothing but completely take our hats off to her. Yeah, absolutely. And Banzo de Loire look, just makes it look like everything is so easy for him. As I wrote this in my magazine report that went to press uh, earlier in the week, and he just looks like both mentally and physically, the whole sport is is very easy for him. And um, Yaz sort of kept saying he's the ultimate event horse. And actually, we can hear from Yaz now at the end of her cross-country round, talking about going into the show jumping in that individual silver position and about her hopes ahead of the show jumping phase. Honestly, I could never have even dreamed of being in this position. Um, I know the horse is more than capable. Um, I think so much of him. And I just he, deser he deserves it so much. He's just such an incredible all-round horse in the dressage and the show jumping. And touch wood, tomorrow he will um, show everyone that he really is the ultimate event horse. So, of course, she did go on to show everybody that uh, that he really is the ultimate event horse. Doing all the phases, she had scored a 22 in the dressage. She had 1.2 time faults cross country and show jumped clear in that super exciting finale. Anything else on Yaz before we move on, Catherine? What a story. You know, a girl from the Isle of Man who I re first remember her when she was riding ponies. I think I think Craigmore Tom, her pony, I think was a New Forest or part New Forest. And she, yeah, she just hasn't put a foot wrong. Very cool. She's brilliant at talking to us. She's cool, calm and collected. She seems a joy to be around. Full credit to Sue Davis and Jeanette Chin for having so much faith and backing so hard. Such a talent. Yeah, definitely. And uh, funnily enough, we were just chatting in a meeting earlier today, an internal meeting about the similarities between Lottie Fry, our dressage world champion, and Yaz, our two world champions. I think both a very similar age and both riders who at a very young age, um, for whatever reason, were able to fall in with some serious backers, the Van yeah. Osts for Lottie and Jeanette Chin and Sue Davies for Yaz and get super support, get super horsepower and have been good enough to capitalise on that. Obviously not a lot of riders get that support, but some riders get that support and can't capitalise on it. So Absolutely. There's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? You know, it's you, you can't write the way to the top because then everyone would be able to follow it. And it's a very different path to some people. And we can't help but be reminded in a couple of ways of the last person to win a championship on their senior debut, which was the time Zara Phillips, Zara Tyndall now, on her lovely, also chestnut horse, Toy Town, different sort of chestnut. So basically what we need is a 25-year-old blonde girl with a fabulous chestnut horse and a very cool temperament. 
<laughs> Funnily enough, going into Apply that here, going into that 2005 Blenheim Europeans, Zara was on the team, but she had originally been selected as an individual and got called into the team when uh, Pippa Funnel had to change horses due ah. to a horse injury. And Pippa was—I was about to say kicked out. That's a bit rude. Pippa was asked to ride as an individual, and Zara brought into the team. So uh, some interesting similarities. Yeah, absolutely. There. No, I thoroughly enjoyed watching her, talking to her. Um, and yeah, she, she's a great girl. Yeah, very good. Well, as you say, we look forward to, to seeing a lot more of, of Yaz and of Banzai, of course. He's only 11 years old, so they're very much at the start, both of them, of their careers. Let's talk about the rest of the Brits. It was a, a bizarre week because there were some absolutely stonking performances that were at a very, very, very high level. And yet in the end, the Brits were the losers of that super tight show jumping situation that we mentioned earlier and came away without a team medal, which was so far from anyone's predictions, wasn't it, Catherine? Completely. And that's sort of the cycle, isn't it? You know, they were on top of the world. They were the reigning world Olympic and European team champions. And we've seen this situation before with other countries, with Germany. Nothing lasts forever. They all perform very well, but not quite well enough. And these things happen. And as you say, the fraction of a penalty that they were behind off a silver medal, and they were only five point something marks off the Germans who won gold. It's hardly a disaster, but a little bit of a reboot is needed. Um, you know, Oliver Townend, because he was the last person to make a big mistake, i.e. in the show jumping when the gorgeous Ballamore class had four down, He's sort of slightly more in the spotlight over it. And I'm sure he'll take a very long time for his head to quite deal with the fact. But Tom McEwen didn't have a great week. In some ways, he hasn't had a great season. Um, we know that he and the horse are amazing. Lots of things didn't quite come off. Laura Collett was outstanding in the dressage. And I had a run out cross country. You could, we're not going to label blame anywhere because A, it's pointless and B, it's all shared. These things happen, you know. Yeah, and I really tried to, to bring that out in my magazine report, as you say, because it wasn't that Oliver lost us a medal with having four show jumps down. It was that tight that I would say that if Tom hadn't broken into canter in his medium trot, we definitely would have got the bronze. We possibly could have got, if he had been two seconds faster across country, we would have got the silver. If Laura hadn't had a run out, we almost certainly would have got the gold. You know, that yeah. was the that was the big one. It was There were small things everywhere, I think. And yeah, I, think it, I was just going to say, if it was easy, we could all do it and eventing is an extraordinary sport that takes place over four very long days with a many 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 elements to it and it is so hard to get it right every time even so hard to get it right once you and I know that oh I find it very hard to get it right once at 80 centimeters Catherine quite so you know <laughs> I think it's worth touching on Laura's super dressage score she led on Thursday and she did a 19 point three which uh, was pretty extraordinary with London 52 and uh, ended up just behind Michael Young and uh, Fisher Chipmunk in that first phase he went ahead by 0.5 of a penalty and we could probably talk about whether that was fair or not but maybe uh, we shouldn't it might it might show off our patriotic bias a bit too much but they were both incredible tests I don't think we entirely agree on it either so you know, <laughs> I think dressage is subjective and two people watching something can like slightly different things to be honest so yeah, that's the whole point. Absolutely. And we were standing side by side practically, whereas the judges are at three different points around the arena and none of them were, were right next to us. Anyway, both Michael and Laura's tests were superb. Um, I find it very interesting talking to Laura about hers afterwards. And we can hear from her now talking about how she changed her preparation for this phase after the Olympics last year. Trusting him, 
um, really. We, we got that wrong in Tokyo last year and we learned a lot from that. So um, the the main thing with him is keeping him happy and, and, and not stressing him out. You know, if you do too much and ask too much, then he, he worries because he wants to try, you know, he, he's a trier and he wants to do it right. And if he thinks he's not doing it right, he, get, he gets a bit nervous. So it's just about telling him, oh. telling him he's amazing, which he is. Well, things unraveled for Laura from that point, sadly. But uh, we haven't touched on the only British rider who perhaps came away with frustration but no regrets about her own performance, Ros Cantor, Catherine. Yes, I mean, Yasmin said that her horse was the ultimate event horse. Possibly Ros Cantor is the ultimate event rider. She is, she's so good. Let's not forget that she came into this as the reigning world champion, having won on All-Star B in Tryon four years ago. And with Michelle Saul's 10-year-old, inexperienced Lordships Graffalo, she was jolly nearly world champion again. I thought she was outstanding in every phase. She is so cool, calm and collected, so talented. She's proved without doubt that she's got, you know, a backup horse quite quickly following her, her first really great horse in All-Star B. I love this horse's temperament, his attitude. There is a little bit of the naivety of a young horse, i.e., yes, mum, I'll do that. But together, gosh, I think we've got a lot to come, don't you? Oh, definitely. I mean, 26.2 dressage and she finishes in that score. For me, the thing that's outstanding about Walter, as he's known, Lordship Scraffalo, is that he... Okay, two things. So physically, he seems to be a horse who has supernatural balance you never see him wrong-footed and he always looks like his feet are in the right place of course part of that is is Ros's skill in uh, you know never giving him a bad stride and and so on but he just seems to be a horse who's naturally very good in his own balance the other one is his temperament which you just touched Mm. on Catherine he is I was talking about this last night to someone he's a funny horse because he is very comfortable in his own skin and therefore not a lot ruffles him he loves the big atmosphere but he's not arrogant he doesn't mind being told what to do and that's quite an unusual combination in a horse I think definitely and quite different to probably the other horses in the team the Irish rider Sam Watson said coming into this championship that cross-country-wise footwork play a really important part and I think you touched on that with his balance and his balance and his neatness with his feet and his ability to to be quick Roz's own balance and she's very light let's not forget as well meant that for me their cross-country round was the round of the day yeah absolutely let's hear from Roz now talking about that cross-country round Oh, I couldn't be prouder of him he is just a phenomenal cross-country horse you know only 10 years old and he just it just feels like child's play to him. Um, he is green and he's, um, you know, inexperienced, but he just treats it like what a big kid and he just plays with it and um, and focuses when he needs to focus. So he's fantastic. And Catherine, Ross's show jumping round was super as well. And the horse looks so scopy. You know, he stood well off really big old oxes. Um, and as I was watching, I said to somebody, and it might have been you, Catherine, next to me, I said, do you th- what do you think it's like in Ros's head? Because she looks serene. And then she came to us afterwards and said, that was so nerve wracking. I didn't enjoy it at all today. And yet she managed to have this absolute veneer of total calm. It's amazing. Yeah, and that's what makes her an absolutely top-class athlete is the ability to control your nerves, channel them and make everything work for you in the best possible way. And it was a serious show-jumping track. You know, a couple of people said they thought it was the biggest that eventing had seen. You know, I don't know, but it was it, it was a proper jumping track and the clear rounds, p- 
people should be very, very proud of themselves, I think, for producing them. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the, there were 12 clear rounds in the show jumping out of a lot of a lot of starters. It was a big field. Nearly 70 people still left in the competition. So good on Roz and everyone else who jumped a clear in the show jumping. Right, let's move on from the Brits and the British team. Germany got the team gold medal back on top and Julia Krajewski got the individual silver in the end. Michael Young was prominent all the way through, but uh, ended up fifth. Last show jumped down as well as one earlier in the course, unexpected. And the second time the World Championships has, has gone to, to, to the wire, second World Championships in a, in a row that's happened at the very last show jump has altered the individual result. But um, Julia was fab, wasn't she, Catherine? <laughs> she was great. She's so interesting to talk to. Her English, as we've said, is better than ours. She is a very clever girl, a very good rider. She's she's open. She's honest. I liked the way she talked about her her previous championships, her mental states. She's got this lovely horse, but he he's only appeared. She she sorry, this lovely mare who's only appeared in our view over the past sort of 14, 15 months. Yeah, absolutely. So Amanda Beneville, I remember I interviewed Julia um, over Zoom last year during uh, before the Olympics. And um, I set up the interview actually before her, her previous championship horse, Samurai Duto, was retired when he lost an eye. And she messaged me to postpone the interview because she said, I have to take the horse to the vet clinic today. Looking back, that was almost certainly Samurai. Um, but obviously she didn't say that to me. So we ended up doing the interview once we knew that Samurai had retired. Um, quite a different interview to the one I had thought I was setting up. And we talked obviously a lot about Amon de Beneville, Mandy. Um, and afterwards, we had an internal discussion at Horse in Hand about whether or not we should put Olympic branding on those pages because she was talking about going to the Europeans. Of course, fortunately, we did put the branding on the pages because, of course, she went to the Olympics and won it, individual gold. And as you say, Catherine, she talked about her, her mental state now after the Olympics because we asked her after the dressage whether there was more pressure as Olympic champion. And she said, no, actually, there's less because she has... Uh, she has before that she did she had not had a lot of success as a championship rider she had been quite strongly criticized in germany because of that and she really felt the pressure of that she said everyone was just waiting for her to mess up whereas now she's got that gold in the bank whatever happens and she's just trying to enjoy it a bit more yes and i didn't know whether the mayor would manage Bretoni in terms of tokyo was very different yes it twisted about and this that and the other but the serious hills here and the 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 demand of it was more, I think. And and she was super... I expected the dressage test that she produced. I expected her to show jump clear. But I loved seeing their partnership and their ability to nail it cross country. Yeah, she's a different horse. She's a funny one. Um, but Julia absolutely loves her and loves their partnership. And um, sadly, we can't pay you the very beginning of what Julia said about her because uh, there's <laughs> too much swearing in it. But um, let's just say that she said she was wonderful. But we can hear from Julia now talking about her cross country round. For me, the coolest horse, she's got such a character and she's super honest, genuine, yet clever. That's what I love most. She would never just run into a fence. She's not the genuine horse which you can just like throw into the fence and, and they don't manage because they're too honest. She would pay attention, but she would always do what I point her at. And that's super cool. And I think it's maybe about time we, we do one of the bigger five stars now. <laughs> And just after that, Catherine and I urged Julia that she should definitely bring Mandy as she calls her to badminton. So hopefully she'll take her advice and uh, we'll see her on, on home soil next year. But um, 
Team goal for the Germans. They were impressive and ended up with Christoph Wahler providing their third counting score, a championship, but not a championship debutante. He's ridden as an individual, but a team debutante. And Sandra Alfarth just behind. And uh, I know that she gave Julia a lot of confidence with her cross-country round. Clear inside the time, Julia said her horse is quite similar to Sandra's Viermont de Matz. So as the discard score, she certainly played her part, which can so often be the case. Well, let's keep motoring on. The other team medals went to nations who were both having a resurgence. And I was so pleased to see this, Catherine. Teams who it's been so long since we've seen on a team podium and so encouraging for our sport to have the US and New Zealand back up there, wasn't it? It was fantastic. You know, eventing is a global sport, obviously. And it's been a long time since the Americans have won a team medal. I know that they've won Pan Am medals, but this is different. And and they won it by being the only nation to have five cross-country clears. They were the only nation to have five riders jumping in the final session on Sunday for the top 25. I, yeah, a huge renaissance for them, a huge relief for them, and that was evident. And yeah, we need eventing to be as competitive as possible. And it's great that the Americans are back. The Kiwis were fantastic. You know, we know quite a lot of them because obviously Tim and Janelle are based in the UK. We see them a lot. Tim is one of the most beautiful riders we've ever seen in the sport. For him to win an individual medal um, on a horse owned by the London 2012 cross-country course designer, Sue Benson, was very special. He's done an amazing job with that horse because I would say, and I don't think I'm alone in saying as a young horse, I thought it would be too careful and it's his partnership and trust with Tim and Tim's training of the horse that has made him into a five-star cross-country horse. Um, I loved, well, we can't really call her the new Kiwi because that's slightly dismissive, but I really, really enjoyed um, hearing from Monica Spencer, who came over from New Zealand, her first European show of any sort with the ex-racer, well, not the ex-racer, the thoroughbred artist who was bred extremely smartly by a very smart New Zealand stud and didn't make it in training. Lovely to see some thoroughbreds, Pippa, going so well at these championships. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we were both commenting on seeing a couple of, uh, not just uh, Monica, but other young New Zealand and Australian riders. And of course, those are the cheap horses, the failed race horses, horses off the track or that never quite made the track. And not maybe surprising that the young riders from those countries who don't have huge backing are, are riding those horses. But it was it was really super to see them. Amanda Pottinger's Just Kidding, who is extremely well-bred, being another one of those. And I think it's good for the sport. Young British riders, take note. If you can find the right thoroughbred, it will cost you an awful lot less than an extremely smartly bred European warm blood. Absolutely. And just coming back to Tim Price, I remember when I spoke to him about Falco last year after Poe, where he won the five star, he said that he's a horse who has made a lot of mistakes cross country during his career, but he never makes the same mistake twice and he learns. And we can actually hear from Tim now talking about that cross country round. He's an jumper, he's learned the, the job of cross country and you know there was there was points here when he was novice and I'd be warming up with Andrew and we'd both be like nah this horse is not not going to be anything beyond a novice horse because he just he was the wrong type for the job so he's, he's but he's been very trainable so he's just gotten better and more honest and more clever as he's got on so it was not just going out and relaxing on a cross-country horse it's got to do a good job everywhere and ride a rhythm rather than pure speed and he was really good with everything so. well tim took the individual bronze as we've said there one of the american riders was pretty prominent throughout and we thought that she was going to 
be an individual medalist going into the show jumping. Tammy Smith with My Baum. He's a super jumper and uh, and was an individual bronze going into the show jumping, but had a couple down over that really tough show jumping track. But it was great to see Tammy on such good form and she finished up ninth individually as she did at Badminton and as she did at Kentucky last year. Um, <laughs> frustrating for her not maybe to be a little higher up, but she very much said this was about the team performance this week. And I wanted the listeners to have a chance to hear a brilliant quote uh, clip from Tammy talking about the slide on the cross-country course. This We'll listen to that in a minute, but Catherine, the slide is famous as part of Protoni history, isn't it? Yes, I remember it clearly at the 2007 European Championships where it caught all sorts of people out skiing down that dusty hill. But apparently it's been there forever. Mark Phillips said it was there when he was riding there in the 80s. And it is the iconic Protoni cross-country question. And it demands pretty much everything you can ask for. They've got to pop over the log and not be too brave, but keep coming down this slidey hill and jump two very skinny fences. Control, which is really what happened to Laura London 52, was a tiny loss of control. It caught out Andrew Hoy and the lovely Vasily de Lassos, among others. The cross, the cross country track at Protoni was interesting. It was twisty. It was tough. It was on a camber. It didn't really suit our experienced big striding five star horses. But that's what championships are. And it provided a very exciting test and a fair test. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hear from uh, from Tammy talking about the slide. Obviously, I'd never done anything like that. And I only got to watch the the video from like 1853 where they all were trying to kill themselves um and i was like well they're not gonna have that they won't put that one on the course so then when i got here i was kind of i was a little bit pooping my pants well despite the fact that uh, as she so eloquently put it tammy was pooping her pants she did finish inside the time cross country and uh, helped the americans to that brilliant team silver well catherine i know that you and i could talk about this for the next four hours but uh, might not be what the listeners want to do with uh, with their whole evening or whole day but thank you for, uh, for for joining me on the podcast to look back at the week i've loved it and if we could do Patoni next week that would be cool all over again <laughs> thank you Hello, I'm Lucy Elder, senior news writer at Horse and Hound, and I'm joined by Horse and Hound's features editor, Martha Terry, to talk about Blenheim Horse Trials, where we were both reporting this weekend. Hi, Martha, how are you? Hi, Lucy, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, just letting it all sink in, really. So I was, I mean, I was mainly following the long format, and you were following the young horse classes, that's right, isn't it? Exactly. So we each had our own focus, which was quite good, although we did mix in between the two because we both got excited about both sections. So. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, it was lovely. I think overall, a really, really real packed weekend of, of sport, really, wasn't it? There were a lot of starters. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's such a picturesque venue, that stunning mm. palace and the parkland and the kind of late summer weather. It was, it was just such a privilege to be there. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I completely agree. So we're going to have a look first at the Four Star Long, which was one, it was a really lovely story, actually. Um, lovely Dapple Grey and a German winner, a German one too, actually. I thought it was quite nice that as, um, as Germany were kind of stepping onto the podium in Protoni, they were also having a good time at Blenheim. Um, and that was headed by Marlin Hansen-Hotop and the lovely Carlitos Quidditch K, uh, owned by Bodil 
Little Ibsen. And they they led from the front. Martha, did you get a chance to see kind of any of their of their performance? I didn't actually see her go around, but I saw her after in the in the cool down area after the cross country. And he's such a stunning horse. Mm. He's, he's a beautiful colour and he's so rangy and sparky and she and she was just so excited because she's um she doesn't ride full time although she does have five horses so it must take up quite a lot of time i think she's mostly um works on her farm and um she was just so excited you know it's like a, a girl re- leading her pony around she just you know the groom wasn't allowed to do anything she wanted to wash it she wanted to lead it um she's just ecstatic Oh, it's so lovely. I spoke to her, I first spoke to her on Thursday after her test and she was saying that, it, you know, she's dreamed of coming to the UK to compete, dreamed of being at Blenheim. And it really, it was lovely to see the event through those fresh eyes. And then I, it was a real fairy tale, really, for her to, to win the whole thing. But I saw him come out on Saturday, obviously, for the cross country where he was phenomenal. And then on Sunday morning afterwards, and he... There was almost like a gasp from people watching at the trot up because he has got so much presence and he kind of really eyeballed the crowd. It wasn't like a sort of a glance at the crowd. He was watching everyone watching him as he trotted up and then their show jumping performance was just, it was it was flawless. They had 1.2 time penalties, but they could well afford that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic win. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was... I mean, a grey always catches the eye and there were a lot of good ones here. So there's the winner, Carlitos Quidditch, Dirk Schrader's Casino, who came second, and then there was Flash Cooley as well in fifth. Mm. Um, and actually, well, we'll go on to talk about the short, but I, I just kept seeing these really sort of striking horses catching the eye. Absolutely. Um, and I had a chat with Marlin after her win and I think we can hear from her now. Every morning at six o'clock, I drive with my bike. The only bike on the whole competition, I think, just yeah. to feed my horse yeah. and uh, pass the castle and the lake. And and it was so great weather. Everybody was so nice and it was yeah. great organizing. And yeah, I don't know. It was in fr- before I thought, OK, that's a dream to go to Blenheim. And yeah. I have the feeling that I, I live just a dream every single day here. So <laughs> um, I also saw Dirk after his um, after his round. And he I think he trains Marlin, doesn't he? They certainly came over together. And um, he was so funny. He was jubilant because he um, was already on the same dressage score as um, Bubby Upton on Jefferson 18. And he said for the first time in his life, he was like pointing at his watch. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, for the first time in my life, I've managed to finish on the optimum time. And that means that if, you know, it comes down to it, the person who finishes closest to the optimum time is going to, to take the upper placing if they finish on the same score. And, and he pretty much nailed it. He really did. And it was I mean, it was a real calculated risk because it could so easily have ticked one second over and that would have put him below Bobby. Um, But it absolutely paid off because they both jumped clear on the final day. So that real shrewd bit of timekeeping made the difference there, didn't it? Exactly. Though, didn't you think Bobby's rounds on all three phases, she looked so good. Jefferson really looks one to watch for the future, didn't you think? I really agree. And I thought it was really interesting what she was saying about how you're, you know, obviously he's so talented and things, but they're a relatively new partnership and he's relatively inexperienced. I think this is his first four star long. And she was saying that you just never quite know how they're how they're going to to cope, how they're going to perform and things. Um, but he really delivered in every single phase and the air he was giving on the final day of show jumping, my goodness, as you said, Martha, they're certainly ones to watch. Well, she said he, he moves like a dressel's horse, gallops like a racehorse and jumps like a jumper. So, you know, what more can you need? 
ticks every single box, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also caught up with Bubby after her show jumping. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted. Um, didn't know what to expect coming into this week. Obviously, yeah. a very uh, new partnership still, and he is really quite an experience still for his um, for his age. And he's just been incredible at every phase. And I'm just so thrilled because he's a class horse. And um, but yeah, like, like when it's your first time doing something a long format on them, you never know how they're going to come out on the last day, quite. particularly around a hilly track like Blenheim. So yeah. yeah, he's just phenomenal, and I'm so pleased for his owners, Dr. Jeffrey Guy and Kate Guy. Um, and, you know, just so grateful for them trusting me with him. And it was a really interesting event. Blenheim's always an interesting event for where it sits in the calendar. And it serves quite a lot of different purposes. We've got, of course, the Young Horse Championship, which we're going to come on to in just a second. But there were quite a few Burley rerouters, if you like, who where things perhaps hadn't gone quite to plan at Burley and they'd opted to pull up and uh, early on and things and head to Blenheim instead. Uh, and we also saw the 2019 Burley winners, Pippa Funnel and MGH Grafton Street, who didn't run at this year's Burley. Uh, but we're at Blenheim and there's some really interesting links in there, I think, between the between the two events. Um, Felicity Collins and RSH Contendor and Sarah Bullimore and Corue both had similar glance offs at the Leaf Pit at Burley and were both at Blenheim uh, having a a really nice end of season run and it was lovely to see them both going so well. Felicity really climbed after dressage. She had a great, great dressage of 29.5 and a really, really cool double clear and they look such a, you know, they are such a good partnership but they really, really shone, I thought. He is such a double clear machine and Felicity did say that they'd already decided if they had an early problem at Burley that she would reroute him to Blenheim and that decision paid off. And, uh, you know, they were so class. They, the whole seems to find it so easy. He just, he just flies around. And, and I think he might be quite difficult. I think she said he's quite difficult, but it doesn't look at when they're, they're just such a partnership. It's beautiful to watch. It really is. And Sarah Bullimore and Karue as well. Their dressage, there are a few places. I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was still a very good dressage test, but it was a 27.8. And I think they got a, was it a 22 at Burley, Martha? Was that right? I can't remember the exact score, but I think she was definitely expecting to be a good six or seven penalties better. And, and yeah. she did at the end, didn't she? She did, yes. But their cross-country round was, again, he, he is such a cool horse to watch because he is little and he's chestnut and he gallops along with those ears pricked. And it was, yeah, she was she was really chuffed at the end of that cross-country performance. Um, so, yeah, that was wonderful to see. The way he jumps is incredible, though. We've got a picture in the magazine that's coming out on Thursday. I think he's show jumping, but he, he's a good foot above the fence. And, and you know, looks like he could go another foot high instead of on the way up. He's, he's an amazing horse to watch. He really is, which makes it really unlucky that they had the... It almost appeared as if he misread 4C, the final part of the treble. Um, and Sarah actually did very well to stay on. Uh, but she said afterwards she wasn't sure if he just didn't see the back rail or something. But, you know, he so rarely makes mistakes show jumping. And as you said, that picture in the magazine just gives an indication of how good the rest of his round was. So, yeah. She said she couldn't be disappointed. And actually another chestnut that was sitting just above 
uh, Sarah and Karoe ahead of the show uh, jumping was Gemma Stevens's ride Jalapeno the Third, and they had a rail. It was an unlucky rail, and again Gemma was delighted with her weekend. She has, as you mentioned earlier, Martha, that lovely grey flash coolie um, who finished fifth, and Jalapeno that rail did drop her to seventh. But again, she said, "Look, you know, I've got two horses in the top ten. I cannot be disappointed." Yeah, and they're such different horses as well. There's this sort of chestnut thoroughbred type and then Flash, uh, which is Jalapeno, and then Flash Cooley, he's a kind of, he's quite little, isn't he? He's a little charger. He and, is. Um, he's cool. Gosh, he's a jumper. Absolutely. And just rounding up some of the other riders in the top 10, I was really impressed with Lizzie Bow and Be Exclusive, who's a homebred. That was a lovely story, wasn't it? Yeah, she's no. I think they said when when it was a fall, they kind of joked, "Oh, um, this could be the horse that takes you around Badminton," and it looks pretty much like it might be the horse that's going to take her around Badminton. I'd love love to see that. They were the highest placed British first timers, um, and we had some good climbers as well. Gubby Leach and Royal Harvest. They came into the top ten uh, to finish ninth with a really good double clear, and Alex Bragg and Quindiva uh, as well rounded it off in tenth. And Alex had some really interesting points to say about the course which had been beefed up for this year I think it's fair to say would you agree yeah definitely I think last year the I think it was almost like the influence swapped last year the the short seemed to cause more problems than than the long sort of 10% more problems um whereas yeah there, there were plenty there's plenty of trouble especially with that new water fence that mm. has been added yeah absolutely Alex had the save of the day on um I think I'd say on his other ride um at in the four star long which is Ardeo Premier um, but even though he picked up penalties on that horse he was saying you know how important it is for these horses um, for these courses to prepare horses for stepping up to five star and things and uh, yeah it was full of praise for, for the course and as you said interesting that new water complex so Martha let's have a chat now about the four star short I love watching the four star short because it's there's just so much promise in there and you know there's been all these great winners of the past like land vision he won badminton quimbo won kentucky yeah i mean there's six or seven horses that have won at five star after having won this so you just, you know you've just got to keep an eye on the one that wins and this time it was piggy march fresh from her burly success who won on a, the most lovely little white stallion i say white rather than gray because he really is sparkling white um he's only about 16 hands he led on a um Record dressage score of 21.3. Um, just added a couple of time faults cross country to that and finished on 24.1. Um, it was an incredibly accomplished performance and it's the horse's first attempt at this level. So um, all the more impressive. And a stallion, as you said, so exciting. So exciting. And I just hope that we can see him in the sport for a little bit longer because Pig Piggy did hint that, you know, there is the discussion about when he um, starts to be used for breeding and although he's got an incredible temperament she wonders if it's fair to the horse to let him do both at once but you know she, she said he could go five star so I really hope we see him more he I mean also I mean we'll, we'll hear on a clip she's going to say in a minute that he that she felt he was a little bit green I don't know if you saw his round but he just bounded from fence to fence ears pricked looking as jolly as can be he was just a joy to watch so we can hear from Piggy now about how Halo went yeah it was mega and I'm just you know, just delighted, relieved. I knew he could do it, but it's still a totally new ball game for us and our partnership. Um, I haven't run him quick very often. He always feels like a very brave horse, so hasn't felt that every run he needs to run quick. 
but he set up, he's really easy. You know, Kevin def did a beautiful job in producing him. So he's always been a very easy horse to work with, to ride. I, I felt a little bit of greenness um, to just hold his hand and give him a little bit more time than I would with older ones, like at the water pond up at the top. Um, I just definitely put a bit of a curve to the B and the C part and just slowed up quite a lot. Well, there's definitely an inside line to be had there and, and again, waste valuable seconds. But he just felt like his eyes were everywhere. But when he got to the fence, he was totally honest and did them all very, very easily. Um, I think he'll come on loads from it. I don't think we had horrible moments. We just had greener, greener moments that he was looking about of what was come. He's a, he's a brave horse, but he's a careful horse as well. And he's a stallion. And I haven't had stallions before. This is a new learning curve for me. But, you know, in what I believe in, I think they're, it's a different um, relationship that they might think a little bit more or a bit differently. So it's important that I keep thinking that, to him that this is a very good idea that we're doing this <laughs> and that he enjoys it as much as I want him to enjoy. And, but he's easy as he's so scopy, he makes the distances really well and easy. And great insight from Piggy there. Actually, the cross-country was fascinating because it ran in reverse order of merit. So we kept getting a new leader all the way through, but no one was going inside the time. And in the end, just four went inside the time and they were all mares. Um, there was a Vita AP ridden by Sarah Bullimore, Greenacre Special Cavalier ridden by Caroline Powell, and um, Monbeg Just Blue ridden by Danny Evans, who got the fastest time of the day. And they came up from 19th after dressage to finish fourth. That was an incredible wow. round. Yeah, and I think it's, this is not a dressage or she said that about her, but she's feisty and she wastes no time at all and got the results she deserves. So that was good to watch. Brilliant. And who else caught the eye in this eight and nine-year-old class? Well, I, I don't know if it's because he's got a bright white flaze right down the middle of his face, but Sligo or Sligo Candy Cane, ridden by Bill Levitt, really caught the eye. And they did have 3.6 time faults to add to their dressage score, but they moved up from 13th after dressage to 7th. And what really struck me is that Bill Levitt is 59 and has ridden for Australia in lots of championships, but he's never been to the Olympics. And he said he bought this one to go to the Olympics and he really thinks that it's going to give him a chance. He said he is the best show jumper he's ridden. Um, he will do a dressage test in the 20s and look how he went cross country. So that's really one to watch, I think. How exciting. Like you said, I love this eight and nine year old class. There's just so much, so much promise, as you said, is exactly the right word for it. Yeah. And, you know, in two years time for Paris, these horses are going to be, say so they're eight and nine now, they're going to be 10, 11 in Paris. That's, you know, the perfect age for an Olympic horse. Um, uh, another one that caught the eye to me was Hayden Hankey's Heads Up. Um, I think that, you know, this horse has already been a star. He's already won at Hoy's um, uh, in the Working Hunter when he was a five-year-old. Um, uh, so that was three years ago. And they were second after the dressage, second after a beautiful show jumping round. And they just couldn't quite, you know, get enough, uh, get enough speed around the cross country. He said he didn't feel he had enough in, under him. The horse jumped really well, but I think, you know, Hayden's such a horseman. He can, he just said, you know, the horse's future and welfare are more important than this competition. And they slipped a 10th, which was, was a bit gutting. And he said it was infuriated, but I think he, he knows he did the right thing for the horse. 
Oh, well, wonderful. And I think it's worth noting as well, while we're talking about the future and horses uh, for the future, that while the show jumping was happening on that final day, and while the eight and nine year old class was concluding, we heard it announced Yasmin Ingham and Banzai Deloire, who won the four star long last year, were crowned new world champions. So yeah, as you said, hopefully Blenheim's history in forging champions of the future will be seen in years to come. Definitely. Well, it was a great few days and great to be working there alongside you and look forward to the next time. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Lucy. Throughout the year, Horse and Hound sends reporters out to all the biggest events in the equestrian calendar to cover the action for our weekly magazine and our website at horseandhound.co.uk. The coverage we bring you on these two platforms is different. The weekly magazine provides your comprehensive curated roundup. We reflect back on the big wins and analyse all the results with insight from our team and experts in the industry. Meanwhile, on our website, we bring you the news as it happens. We speak to the riders as they leave the arena and report their thoughts in lightning quick time, covering all the biggest stories as they unfold and often producing 10 or more stories every day online from a big show. The first five articles you read on our website are free each month and beyond that you need to buy a subscription. The cost of this reflects the fact that we need a bigger team at events when we are creating extra articles on our website and not only producing a magazine report. To buy a Horse and Hound website subscription, visit horseandhound.co.uk and click subscribe or for great value, in the same place you can buy a combined magazine and website subscription. We know that magazine subscribers are our most loyal audience and we really value your ongoing and vital contribution to our business. Therefore, if you are already a magazine subscriber, the cost to upgrade your subscription to include full website access is minimal. Call 0330 to find out more. Hello, Polly Bryan here, dressage editor at Horse and Hound. I'm here today with Alex Robinson, our showing editor, who was at the Lemure National Dressage Championships at Summerford Park over the weekend. Very much looking forward to hearing some of her thoughts. Hi, Alex, how are you? I'm really well, thank you, Polly. Excellent. So as I just mentioned, you were up at the uh, Dressage Championships at Summerford. Well, down for you, actually. You live even further north than uh, <laughs> than Summerford Park. But um, just tell us a little bit about how your four days there were. What, what was it like? It was absolutely, absolutely fabulous. Bit of a different one for me and uh, no, <laughs> no showing involved. But yeah, it was absolutely lovely to be to be in Cheshire. It's such a, a stunning venue, but it's also really relaxed as well. And that was kind of the general consensus from the riders that it's a really nice venue for, you know, the young horses and, you know, the more established ones as well it was really they had you know two three rings going on I think and it was really great really great crowds um yeah it was just a really really nice event and obviously every, everything runs very smoothly thanks to the team at British Dressage but yeah had it had a fabulous time Oh, good. I'm so glad. I absolutely love the Nationals. I was really, really sad that I had to miss it this year. And I was actually especially sad not to have been able to witness what uh, sort of came out as the biggest story of the weekend, which was that Gareth Hughes was crowned British national champion for, somewhat surprisingly, the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really taken with what he what he said about how he's fulfilled so many of those ambitions um, and aims and goals that he's had in his life. He's been to World and European Championships. 
who was of course a crucial member of that silver medal winning team out in Herning this summer but he's never won this particular title and he described it as the one that had always got away didn't he yeah and they were his exact words he said um that up until now this has been the one that has got away from him and yeah I think there was um you know a bit of pressure for Gareth and he knew he had to score over 77.08 percent heading in there and he really did you know grab it with both hands um the horse who's known as Piglet at home put on an absolutely <laughs> stunning display and they finished with 79.88 percent which was actually Piglet's highest ever Grand Prix freestyle mark of, of his career so that was a, again a fabulous milestone for the pair it was it was absolutely stunning Oh, I'm I'm just so sad that I missed it. <laughs> of course, this lovely horse, Santano Van Hoff Olympia, to give him his full name, um, he'll be familiar to a lot of people. He was the horse that Gareth took to Tokyo last year as Olympic team alternate. Uh, they also won Team Silver at the Europeans later in 2021. Um, you you were talking just then about how he needed a certain score in the freestyle to be crowned the best overall, uh, the best overall Brit, and it must have been lovely that he you know went in there and and really smashed it yeah and it was it was really interesting because Gareth actually said that the horse um he's not kind of keen on these close arenas Mm. um and he can be a bit nervy but um obviously that was not the case on on Sunday um and Gareth the the horse Gareth took to herning a classic Brilinka um he actually used the world championship music that he used on on Berlinka and he said that was the hardest test he he's ever done because it was just one tight line after the other um particularly the trot and the half pass into the passage half pass into the piaf pirouette and back to the passage i mean it's com- very complex um and he said if that anything was going to catch him out it was going to be that bit um but he said you're at the nationals this title's on the line why not ask the question here and he definitely did (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh absolutely lovely and yeah as he says what a place to do it what a what a place to sort of pull out that really that really good performance um I think I think he had said that his his Grand Prix was not quite the horse's best I think he was a little bit tense from what I from what I heard so extra fabulous that he came back in the Mm. freestyle and really smashed it um and it also quite wonderfully I think it was Centano's owner Judy Firmston Williams birthday as well is that right yeah that was right and what what a birthday present for Judy um she said that she'd always wanted a Grand Prix horse and this horse was a bit of a gamble but yeah um she she actually did say as well that this title wasn't wasn't necessarily on her bucket list Mm. until it actually happened and yeah he, (laughs) he ticked that off for her it was really lovely oh that is so lovely um it seemed actually the standard of the grand prix at the nationals was was really quite high the the timing of the championships the way the the place in which it falls in the year does mean that sometimes the very best combinations in britain don't actually end up competing at the nationals um simply because it's it usually happens either at the same time or just after that year's major championship and we didn't see the likes of of carl or or charlotte in in the top class here but there was some absolutely brilliant combinations we need to mention um Kathleen Cronker and San Royal who were the winners of the Grand Prix I think they were second in the freestyle um although they're not eligible to be British national champions because Kathleen is is German she's based in Gloucestershire she's actually from Germany um 
And off the top, British riders who were sort of fighting it out for that, that overall title. Uh, it, was, it was Andrew Gould and Hayley Watson-Greaves, I think, who were closest on Gareth's tail. They both put in super performances by all accounts. It was actually Hayley's 10th national championship riding her wonderful long-term partner, Rubens Knight. And I was, yeah, I was especially pleased to hear of them doing so, so well. But of course, it wasn't just about the Grand Prix riders. The Nationals has championships from prelim all the way up the levels, plus young rider, young horse and para dressage finals as well. We could probably spend all day chatting about this and all the wonderful combinations that impressed everybody so much. Um, but we've got a lot more to cover in this episode of the podcast. So Alex, I'm just going to ask you to name one or two combinations who really caught your eye during your time at Summerford. Yeah, well, there were so many to choose from, but probably one rider who really, um, I mean, wowed me was was Georgie Nichols, who's based with um, the Oppenheimers at the Headmore Stud. She's just 20, and this was actually her eighth National Dressage Championships title she won. She actually took the top two placings in the medium silver final. She won with her own Briar Wood Notorious, who's named uh, who's known as Silas at home, and she was second with Katie High's Woodcroft Kika Queena, um, who's a Luna. And I mean, the result was incredible, um, whatever, but Georgie actually was involved in a car accident in, in January of this year and she missed um, the Winter Championships because she, yeah, well, she broke her neck and her back. And so, you know, to come back really as strong as ever and win both places in this class at Nationals was just amazing. And yeah, Alice Oppenheimer was there and it was really delightful to watch. And oh. here's Georgie talking about her two horses. You know, do you know what? It's just the most incredible feeling. It happened here last year, and I was slightly, I was like, oh god, there's probably a bit of an expectation this year. Um, but no, both the horses just gave me the most amazing feeling, and they're so different, so different to ride. So it was really nice they came so close. Oh, that's lovely to hear from her, and just how incredible for her to make such a wonderful comeback. It was, yeah, it was a really serious accident that she was in, wasn't it? And um, yeah, for her to her to be back on this sort of form is really impressive. And any others that you want to uh, to mention? Well, there were some absolutely stunning young horses forward at Summerford, some lovely four-year-olds. Um, Aventa Hollywoodhead actually won the four-year-old class on Mount St. John Equestrians, um, MSJ Viva Danabrog, a lovely four-year-old. And there was a really nice four-year-old who took centre stage in the prelim gold. This was New Zealand rider Sarah Wilkinson on Nicholas B. He was a really, really gorgeous athletic chestnut who really caught my eye. And yeah, again, just a four-year-old. And here's uh, Sarah talking about uh, Eddie, as he's known at home. He is a four-year-old by Ibiza, um, and me and his owner brought him over from Holland ooh, as a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I backed him myself and just started him myself as a three-year-old. And yeah, just this year we've started competing him in the young horse classes and some prelims and novices, and yeah, he's just been amazing. Every single show he doesn't put a foot wrong, and he's, he's so easy in every way. Yeah, so he's a real horse of the future, and yeah, he really, he really did shine at um, at the nationals. Oh well, it's so lovely to hear about the ones that did catch your eye, and and to know that there were so many exciting youngsters there amongst the more seasoned combinations as well that we all love watching so much. Well, Alex, it's been fabulous to hear your thoughts from what has obviously been a fantastic four days of top dressage. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. Well, thank you to all my horse and hound colleagues for bringing us up to date on last week's excitement. 
We've loved our 10 weeks of summer sports specials here on the podcast and we hope you've enjoyed it too. From next week, we'll revert to the original podcast format. So we'll have an interview with Britain's world team show jumping bronze medalist Joe Stockdale, plus Farrier Sam Draycott will give us some insight on abscesses. And we'll talk through all the week's news. Talk to you then. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.